I wish someone would have replaced this band with a good one. <laughs> what are they replacing? What's the, what's the, I don't know. I never could find any reason. What are they replacing? They thought it would be funny. They named their band The Replacements because of the idea that they wanted to be the kind of band where if the band who people wanted to see had to cancel at the last minute mm-hmm. and someone brought in a different band, right? They would this be, would be the band. They were the band. Because they started a band to be a bad band on purpose. I was going to say. Is and that, then everyone just went for it. Is that why they learned all the cover songs and played all the cover songs live and just pissed people off and played snippets of songs and never played whole fucking sets? Dude, I doubt there is a single thing that we're going to say in this episode that nine out of 10 replacement fans will disagree with. I mean, the only reason this is someone's favorite band is because of how much this band sucks. That's what you like about this band is that they suck. This will be an episode of which people will get triggered by the name. Oh, they're going to get pissed, but... I can't believe they would do an episode about the replacements. And then by the end of the episode, they're going to email us and say... I agreed with everything you said about the replacements, but I still love the replacement. And I'm going to file it away as under a little tab. A healthy says, response to our <laughs> podcast. One, one response. It doesn't include death threats. Awesome. This is one of those bands who gets pulled into jokes we're making about other artists. We've made a ton of jokes about the replacements in other bands episodes because of how much overlap there is with the replacements. For example, it's going to be impossible to make the big star episode of this show someday without pointing out that they were already a pretty shitty band, but they inspired so many more, even shittier versions of their band, such as the replacements. I legitimately, when I... I didn't know who the replacements were. Maybe I just grew up in like a really like sheltered musical situation or something. So or your like, parents loved you. <laughs> yeah, they protected me from the the wickedness of this. I remember my exposure to it was way later in life. And I remember when they got announced at like Riot Fest or whatever. And the I, reunion? Yeah. So I was like, oh, I never actually, I know I've heard the band name, but I never listened to it. Oh, people are freaking out. I need to listen. I'll check it out. What is this all about? And I remember thinking like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> it's like a prank. Is this, is this, I really did think to myself, are they fucking with me? Yeah. Is this, is this, I thought it was a joke. They kind of are fucking with you. Like, it kind of is a joke. Yeah. But people that I know that are really serious music fans think the replacements are great. You have to like the replacements. You know what I mean? It falls into like a, a checking the box. I'm a historian of music. I like the replacements. So this band started off playing what Paul Westerberg later described as, quote, noisy, fake, hardcore rock, end quote. But basically, they got sick of the punk rock scene almost immediately. As many punk rock bands would later disclose, they were most attracted to what they believed to be the punk ethos and they liked that more than the music itself, then they found out that the punk ethos was all bullshit too, and so they were pretty much done with it. You know, (laughs) Like, oh, we thought we were going to be punks and be like, fuck you, piss everyone off and everything, but then they found out that the punks hated that. They would play a bad show on purpose just to piss off some tough guy, maybe skinhead punk fans in the audience, I don't know. They would do what the replacements called a pussy set, as in playing a bunch of shit that the hardcore punk kids would say was music for pussies. Yeah. So they would play a bunch of songs to, to actively try to antagonize the punk kids. And it always went very poorly because punk kids have no fucking sense of humor. 
Yeah, they played like cover songs. They played snippets of songs, half songs. Well, they, and they, they did, played and stuff they didn't even know. I was going to say they played songs they didn't know how to play. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I guess I have mixed feelings about because I guess in a punk way that kind of makes sense. But what's dickish about it is if people actually came to see you because they like your band, it's kind of like the ultimate kick in the balls. You paid money. It's not like the yeah. show was fucking free. Are you going to replace like, my 10 bucks that I spent on this yeah, concert ticket? No, like if you went to their practice space and they sucked, you'd be like, well, I just did their, their practice space. But you pay real money that you work for to go see a band that you like and they stand up there fucking circle jerking about nothing, not even playing their own songs all the way through, so drunk that they're falling over or puking on stage. Yeah. That sucks. I can't believe that they actually got as popular as they did. If for no other reason, how many people were so disappointed to go to their shows? It's, yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, what was Andy Kaufman's character? It's like Tony Clifton as a band. The yeah. Andy Kaufman character, yeah. Tony Clifton as a band. That's this. And they started doing this when they were just a shitty punk band. They would get on stage, start playing songs they did not know, had never rehearsed before, and then the, the song would obviously fall apart at a certain point, and so then they would just start a different song that they didn't know and play that one until it started to fall apart, repeat like 20 or 30 times, and then just call it a concert. Good night, y'all. We're done. Yeah. I mean, for everyone who stayed, there are so many documented instances of them saying into the microphone while they were doing this, like, Oh, you're still here? Well, here's another one you don't want to hear, and neither do I either, et cetera, et cetera. And, but the, as Mark just said, they kept doing this. This isn't something that they started doing and did in the early days and grew out of or something. They kept doing this. They changed the style of music that they were playing and everything. It was their shtick, yeah. getting to end. I can't believe they didn't actually, at their uh, reunion show, just fucking fall off the stage on purpose or some shit. Like I, There must have been something in their contract no, you have to play your songs or some shit. It must have been like, yo, you're not getting paid the million dollars or something like that that you're going to get paid. No, you can't just go up there and fuck off. You have to play fucking songs. The replacements also are a perfect example of so many different types of favorite band. This might be your favorite band if the way that a band dresses is more important to you than a band's music. This could be your favorite band if attitude is more important than music. This could be your favorite band if being an alcoholic or a drug addict is more important than the band's music. This could be your favorite band if watching a band break up on stage in the middle of a concert is more important than the band's music. If your parents ever said to you that they were disappointed by all your wasted potential, the replacements are very probably your favorite band. The people who like this band like the band for who they imagined the band could be if the band tried to be a good band. Yeah, I'm letting you go here because I'm just I'm, I'm just along for the ride right this second. This band has maybe two really good songs, and those two songs are the most atypical songs in their catalog. These songs sound awesome in comparison to the mountain of horseshit that the band also released. How many replacement songs does anyone listening to this actively like? Like, if you like most replacement songs, you just have bad taste in music. I'm sorry to be the one to break <laughs> it to you, but you like bad music. What is there to like? I get again. It's sloppy. It sounds like they don't give a fuck, man. That's rock and uh, roll. I, is it? The replacements catalog is 95% garbage and then 5% songs that could have been good if the band tried to make them be good songs. If the band allowed their own songs to be good, this band has like 5% of their material that could have been good. 
but it's just not there. There's nothing there. I mean, so like the replacements are the musical equivalent of not being too drunk for your dick to get hard, but being way too drunk to come. <laughs> That's funny. And true. The critics and fans of this band talk about the fact that Bob Stinson loved listening to the band. Yes. As if that somehow means Bob Stinson was a good enough guitar player to be in the band. Yes. If he wanted to, which no, that was never the case. <laughs> That's such a funny thing. He, these, this person in this band really liked this other band. What the fuck does that mean? It doesn't mean shit. So he still sucked. He still was bad. He, well, he really liked. Yes. Okay. What the fuck? What does that mean? I, I would be say that most of this band's positive profiles and stories and stuff will make a, such a huge deal out of Bobby and Tommy listening to Prague when they were younger. Mm -hmm. Like, who gives a shit what's in their record collection? You want to see my record collection? Who cares? Yeah, having an extensive record collection and or liking different bands doesn't mean shit about your ability to write songs or be a musician at all. I also listen to Yes. Does that make me the best podcast host in the world? It does, actually. I, oh. I had no idea until this very moment. Well, I was trying to figure out what it was that made well, me the best now, podcast host in the world because I knew that I was. Now you know. Now you know. The amount of vinyl that you own is directly correlated to your abilities, actually, as a, either a musician or a podcast host. Little known fact until right now. The list of bands that the replacements were obviously trying to sound like and failing at is so fucking long and predates them by a decade almost early 70s rock and then just make it drunk and bad and now you have the replacements i mean like the raspberries were a band that probably like most people listening to this haven't even heard of but like go listen to that shit it's so clear what was happening westerberg is on record as having just ripped off johnny thunders when they started off as a hardcore punk band and then they kept doing it. Like they kept just like stealing shit from the Beatles and making it sound bad, stealing shit from Big Star, making it sound bad. I, it's the one thing that always bothered me about punk. What the fuck even is it? If people that just can't play their instruments and want to drink and just get wasted, so they just take good music and turn it shitty. That's what bad and, but, punk is. But like the Stooges were great musicians. Yeah, yeah that's what, I, it's just weird. But the replacement. You're talking about UK punk. That's the issue. Like yeah. th this is what always comes up in punk. Punk started in America and then y'all let the Sex Pistols do all that moronic bullshit and it became everything that it's been since then. Like Green Day. If UK punk doesn't happen, we don't end up with bullshit like the replacements in Green Day. True. Yeah, they ruined that shit. The Clash. Fuck you very I know. much. That's actually really what it comes down to. It almost always just comes back to the Clash. The replacements are just the American, the Clash. That's it. But fuck, holy, imagine like thinking to yourself like the Clash suck, but we're going to be worse. The replacements are worse than the Clash. Yeah, And that's sure. saying a lot, but like they are worse. Definitely worse. And it is saying a lot, but it's also just the dedication to being an alcoholic fuck up. You know, yeah. I'm not going to make fun of that. It just sucks. It's really like sad to think about how wasted these guys were when they did all this incredibly stupid shit. I watched two documentaries about the replacements and it just, it just fucking bummed me out. This is just a bar band. The replacements are a bar band. Actually, to a T, they are a bar band. Like they do cover songs. 
what you said earlier, this shit is all fine if it's in their rehearsal space. This shit is all fine if you can just go down to your local bar and see this band playing. You can go see them four or five nights a week. Who cares if they get too fucked up to play or there's some tough guys in the audience and they want to piss them off by playing a bunch of pop covers that they don't know or something like that. That's, that's fine. That's funny. That's hilarious. As long as this is just a local bar band down the street that you can go see five times a week. But that's not what this is. The fans of this band could walk into any bar in the world, hear some band playing at exactly this level of skill and talent, but because it's not the individuals in the replacements that they attach all this other bullshit to, their reaction would be, wow, this is a really bad band that's yeah. playing in this bar right now. 100%. That is, but they, I mean, I think I feel like it's true for so many bands that we cover, but it's so many, so much music that people put on a pedestal. The truth is, is if, this band, if you didn't know who they were and they were playing, you would be like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Especially if you paid 10 bucks to get into a show and this is it. This is the, this is what you see. I guarantee you a, there are people that have stories that dragged their girlfriends or their boyfriends or their friends. How many people experienced this firsthand that were like, Dude, we got to go see this band. This I band fucking, has definitely ended more friendships oh than any God. other band on this podcast. Absolutely has caused so many people to question their friends. How many people got dragged to these shows and they were like, yo, you fucking like this shit? And they never <laughs> talked again. Like that was it. They were like, no, no, I'm done, dude. This is cool. But like, we can't be friends. Huge imaginary scenario. But if I did like the music on this band's albums and I convinced one or any amount of people to come with me to a concert and they did one of their notoriously bad shows, I would be so embarrassed. I would probably try to give my friends the money that they spent on the tickets. Yes, yes, exactly. So true. Like, like fuck, I, I'm so I feel, sorry. I feel bad that you paid to get into yeah. this shit. Yes. What's funny is that actually as a, I, I've actually seen that as a concert promoter. I've actually been privy to those conversations. It's kind of funny <laughs> where a band was so bad that the friends were like, dude, I'll just pay for your tickets to get in. Cause like, sorry, I dragged you to this shit. It's pretty funny. So we have new t-shirts, but I just realized, can we say how, how specifically can we describe the designs of our new shirts? Uh, we have shirts that roundaboutly might kind of make you think of a certain 90s grunge rock band uh, and or another famous rock band from the across the pond. It rhymes with the bowling bones. <laughs> the bowling bones. Yeah. Shmervana. <laughs> <laughs> Shmervana. Come on down to yfbspod.com. Merch store. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a flag. Buy a pin. Buy a sticker. We don't have to really stay on this. You know, they get banned from Saturday Night Live. I mean, for being so fucking shitty. It, well, he said fuck on TV, but they were also drunk. Think about how many, there's been like real punk bands that have played Saturday Night Live that didn't get fucking banned. Yeah. Well, they also got Harry Dean Stanton drunk too. He was hosting that episode. Oh, really? Yeah, they got, him, see that they got him drunk before a live television <laughs> broadcast. Real fast before we move on from the bad live concerts and that shit. So, it's bad enough if you like go to see them and they're bad. But what about the times that they were the opening band for some other band that someone wanted to see? One of the big things that people like to talk about with this band is when they opened for Tom Petty. Can you fucking imagine buying a ticket to see someone as awesome as Tom Petty and having to sit through this band actively antagonizing 
the audience. Yeah. Just getting beer cans thrown at them for their entire set because of the stupid shit that they're doing on stage. Yeah, what sucks about that, I got to think it'd be like being like a comedian or I mean, any anybody who opens for, if they suck, it puts everyone in a mood. So <laughs> automatically, everyone that's there really to watch Ten Petty, they're not there to watch the fucking no. replacements, is automatically by default that has suffering through this shit is bummed. So I gotta think it's some to Tom Petty. I, I don't know. I would assume at some point somebody had to have the conversation of like, yo, do we want these guys to keep opening for us? Because by the time Tom comes on and fucking headlines the show, everyone in the crowd is fucking pissed off and bummed. That's like the exact opposite of what you want from somebody. That's rock and roll, man. Like trying to piss people off on purpose is rock and roll. Yeah. And I mean, this has come up on the show before too, but like what kind of person takes the time to go out of their way and do things only with the intention of making other people angry. Why would you do that? Why would you just spend so much time and energy trying to provoke angry reactions from people? Yeah, I don't know. What a shitty way to live. Think about how insecure you would have to be to do that. Incredibly. But that kind of leads to the reason why they did it. I mean, when you look into this band and learn more about them, what becomes clear, like there are interviews where they talk about how scared they are of pressure to be good or to be great. When you think about it, all the ridiculous stories that people love to tell about this band, as funny as they may seem removed from the greater context, the greater context is the reason the band did all that shit is because they were afraid, all right? This band was terrified to try, give it their best shot and have it fail. Because like, what if they tried their hardest and it didn't work? What if they didn't get become rock stars? So it's just so much easier to get drunk, wreck everything on purpose, and then tell stories about it later. Like it's hilarious and you just don't give a fuck because it's punk rock, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I know so many people who are going to get mad about this episode think that it's punk rock and a rock and roll that how much of a fuck this band didn't give but a newsflash motherfucker the reason they did all this shit is because of how much of a fuck they did give and it scared the shit out of them and this shit isn't funny yeah it's almost like it actually was the exact opposite of that of what they think yes. right it was what it was because they were almost afraid of success of being good or being judged or whatever it seems obvious so it really does. It, it, it's like childish when someone doesn't want you. To, it's like, let me push you away. Let me be shitty to you before you can be shitty to me. Before you can write an article about how much my band sucks. Well, look how bad we actually do suck. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're going to be like fucking fuckheads and be shitty and do dumb shit so that you can't say shit about us. It's like they were roasting themselves. You have cognitive problems if you think that this band didn't suck on purpose. This band sucks so much on purpose, they recorded a Kiss cover on one of their albums. Dude, right? do you really think that people, there's some of you that don't think? Dude, yes. It seems to be painfully obvious to someone who's not a replacement fan that they were absolutely trying to be shitty. Yeah, People think that it was some form of truly not giving a shit. But the truth, Paul Westerberg says that his... Uh, high school yearbook two years in a row there's no picture of him in it because he knew at that age that he was going to try to become a famous rock star and he knew that people would come looking for his high school yearbook so he didn't show up on picture day mm. like this guy wanted to be a rock and roll star so fucking bad his whole life and he self-sabotaged at every turn because he was afraid to try and have it not work but 
thankfully for him, turns out that at least Americans have this fucking death cult worship of we love to watch people commit slow suicide over a period of years. Yeah. So all he had to do was just like drink a fifth of liquor and act like an asshole. What's weird is that like uh, the same people that would look at the, the modern version of that and shit on it and be like, oh, these people just do things for attention. Well, that's literally the exact thing that the replacements were built on. It was just some sort of weirdo cry for attention. Let me let me be an asshole. Let me be a piece of shit. You'll think it's funny. There are a ton of bands who have done a bad song or even a whole bad show on purpose every now and then. But I don't think I can think of a single other band that was so dedicated to being such a shitty band for such a long time as The Replacements. And lunged into some bizarro world where like they are like kings of a certain... Thousands or tens of thousands of people paid real money to go watch them do a reunion show. It's the power of imagination, man. Obviously, people who this is their favorite band are imagining that it's a good band. It's the power of imagination and the, the legend prior to the internet. Yes. The way that these stories yes. got passed, word of mouth, and people like, you're not going to believe how bad this It's the worst show I've ever seen. You've got to see him next time you're in town, True. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The band started to be a shitty band. The whole idea is we're the replacements. We're the band who shows up instead of the band that you want to see. Continued being a shitty band the whole time. I don't think that this actually works in modern like No, this, it, this band, that's what I was going to say. It doesn't work now. If they came out now in the time of the internet, there's no fucking way this goes over. No, like I agree. It, it just wouldn't work. People it, people just be like, "Oh, you suck." Dude, I this is total totally off topic. But there was somebody like on our YouTube or something like that that I don't even remember what episode. It was like tool level band for that we did. And they actually said, "Oh, I've never even I've never heard of this band." And I was like, "What?" You what? For sure going to happen with the, the replacements. Someone thought that we made up the band Neutral Milk Hotel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. They're like, oh, these assholes are just making up bands now. That's not even a band. <laughs> <laughs> you guys hate on bands that don't even actually exist. It's funny. This is going to be a short episode because like, honestly, this is sort of like the Justin Bieber situation. I don't know how to make this funny. It's sad and depressing. It really is. When you see what happened here, when you look at it, and the more you learn, the worse it gets as far as how depressing it is. The more you learn about these guys' formative years and the things that happened to them to make them the way that they are, it's just not good all around. This is just damage on display. That's all this is. As, as truth is, is every second of this band's existence beginning to end. It, it actually is just fucking depressing. And it's mind-boggling that anybody is going to listen to this episode and ever say that they loved the replacements. Like, what did you love? The only positive thing I can say about the replacements is that Tommy Stinson is obviously an awesome bass player or else he never would have gotten to join Guns N' Roses later. Yeah, there you Tommy go. Tommy Stinson replaced Duff McKagan in Guns N' Roses, who, and I know how many of you this is going to piss off, Guns N' Roses is about a hundred times better than the replacements on their best fucking day. Oh my you pick, God. You pick the replacements on their best day and they couldn't come close to Guns N' Roses at 50%, all right? 10%. No comparison. None. Zero. Nada. So like, I would go so far as to say that right now, this very second that this podcast is being recorded, there is a cover band on Broadway in Nashville 
right down the road. Playing a Guns N' Roses song. Playing, playing a Guns N' Roses song better than the replacements ever played their own songs. So for me, that's the happy ending of the replacement story to me, is that at least one of these guys got to be a replacement in the band Guns N' Roses. It's perfect. Maybe that was the whole thing. What if that was the actual well, point? It, it would have been awesome if each individual member of the replacements yes. ended up replacing a different yes. musician in a different band. Yes, but when you fuck up so bad that people don't even want to be friends with you or something, I guess. He actually lived up to the name, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, Bob Stinson got kicked out of the band, went back home, and died as a result of substance abuse. Bummer. Uh, Westerberg had a solo career, which was also a bummer. <laughs> and the drummer, the original drummer, Chris Mars, is uh, a painter now. He became a successful painter. Like one of the rare painters who can actually make money while he's still alive entirely uninterested in being a part of the reunion. So the reunion was just Paul and Tommy. And then in the reunion, Westerberg wore shirts that had one letter on the front and one letter on the back the whole time. And then at the end of the tour, everyone figured out that the shirt said something like, I have always loved you. Now I must whore my past. Mm. Not really what you want the singer of your favorite band to oh, say he's doing Jesus. to get your money. Christ. It's like some sort of deep self-hatred here it's, it's not all, only in the people that in the band but like people that like the band doing the joy division episode of this podcast was less depressing than doing this i agree i feel like the next week when we record or when the next episodes that we record we we, we gotta do like light-hearted fun we stuff gotta pick someone I'm, who's at least fun to talk about oh my god this is one of the worst watching the documentaries that i watched just bummed me out there's a lot of bands that we talk about with this tragedy, people overdose or they kill themselves. It's sad. It's a bummer. But like there's high moments or things that are interesting or whatever. There's actually nothing redeeming about the replacements to me at all. The whole thing is just sad beginning to end. And this band sucks beginning to end. The more you learn, the more depressing it gets. I mean, I just running through my memory of stories about this band. They finally get uh, RV to tour in so they don't have to tour in a van and within like a week one of the first things they do is get blackout drunk and destroy the inside of this RV just trash it yeah. like we can't have anything good because if we have something good it means that we're trying it's not even like a fun story so there's like 80s hair metal bands that go on tour and they trash a hotel room they glued all the furniture to the ceiling or they did something crazy I don't know. I mean, it's shitty, but it's a kind of like fun. or Yeah, like, at least that's someone else's stuff. But yeah. like these guys would fuck up their own stuff. Yeah, that's what's the, the, and that's what's the difference, right? They were trying to fuck themselves up there's the a, whole time. There's a difference between like throwing a burning mattress out a window in downtown LA, which is hilarious and, and dangerous and no one should right. do it because Mark right. said it. Don't do it. But there's, there's a difference between like shitting in your own living space or something. Yeah. Like, ah, check it out. I shit on my dinner. Uh, it's like, yeah. Dude, what are you doing? Don't shit on your dinner, replacements. Yes, seriously. Please stop shitting on your dinner. <laughs> Don't trash the place that you live every day. You trash the place that you live for one night, you dumb motherfuckers. Thinking about and discussing Phil Collins was a delight compared to this band. Before doing this, I thought of the replacements just like, oh, it's funny that so many people like that band because they're not a very good band at yeah, all. Yeah. And then learning about the replacements, it's just like, oh, wow. How fucked up are you if this is your favorite <laughs> band? Yes, I agree. I agree 100%. And here's the thing. 
If you are listening to this and you've made it all the way to this point and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I've never, I don't even know who the replacements are. I just listened to it because it's fun. Do yourself a favor and don't. It's just a waste of time, yeah. Do not, you don't have to. You don't have to go listen to the replacements after listening to this episode. People talk about this band being super influential and how like Nirvana comes along after them and how Nirvana never would have happened if it wasn't for the replacements. But no, that's not, that's not how this worked. Everyone who was influenced by the replacements, just wipe the replacements from music history. Those bands are influenced by The Clash. Or I was influenced by Big Star. And I thought to myself, what if Big Star had a really, really shitty tape recorder? Also, by the way, you were actually influenced by everything you ever listened to. Not just the things that you liked. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know I what this you fucking mean. Band. I hate this fucking band. They suck. I never want to talk about other places ever again. If I never, if I never ever have to talk about this band ever again, life would be fine. Life would be better. Never again. If your favorite band is a replacement. Your favorite band sucks. You're welcome for listening to your favorite band sucks. Sorry to all the late boomers and Gen Xers whose authenticity fetishes made you think this band is important to the history of music, but yikes, at least you finally found out the truth. And hey, if this episode bummed anyone out, I can promise it bummed me and Mark out worse. Because there's nothing less fun to talk about than a band that was a cry for help the entire time, with a fan base who thought it was all funny or badass. That is exactly what happened here, and there's just not much else to talk about when the music is this incompetent. For most of this band's existence, half of the band would literally get pissed off if the other half tried to write a good song. So no, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time explaining how I'll Be You and Can't Hardly Wait barely are not the exact same song because the music was never the point of this band. It's only ever been the soundtrack to the point of this very tragic band. As said in the episode, we would much rather talk about assholes with giant egos doing pretentious or self-indulgent things, which is why we've decided to finally give you the David Bowie Sucks episode of this podcast. I know most of y'all won't believe me and think this is another prank, but guess what? You'll believe it in two weeks.